American Soccer Show. Eric Alcantar, Emma McConnell, back again for all the quarterfinal analysis and semifinal previews that you've been waiting for. Emmett, how are you? Oh, I, I'm absolutely fantastic. What a time to be alive. What a round this was. It was it was really fun to watch. All the games had their share of drama in them. I, I do want to say, before we even start, Rob Stone keeps starting every segment with this is the best World Cup ever, or it's the best World Cup of our generation. I'm not prepared to go that far, mainly because I hardly remember anything about even the, like, the last two World Cups, which I've watched much of, let alone the other two World Cups that I've been like alive and consciously alive for. So, Well, I mean, let's be honest. How many of them have Fox had? <laughs> well, so that right there puts Fox above and beyond. It's better because it's been done by Fox. Well, but yeah, Rob Stone not exactly unbiased in that regard. I wonder if 2022 will then pass 2018. Oh, I mean, or if, it's he, done, if it's or, done by Fox. Or, or what if he does it, what if he does it like tongue-in-cheek and says it's the best World Cup held in the winter? Well, I think, I think we could all get behind that one no and matter then, what and you And then thought. in 2026, he can say it's the biggest World Cup ever the whole time. Like, just area-wise? And that just gets you, well, yeah, but I mean, that gets you through three, con- three the whole contract and then three World Cups. Marketing. I'm, I mean, honestly, I feel like he had to have thought this part out. If not, he, he he's, just he's he, not the whole think, time. Yeah. The whole time, he's just this is the, this is this is my I got you know I got a plan. I got a twelve year plan, and we're gonna stick to it. All right, I like that. I like it a lot. So we will begin then quarterfinals, the Uruguay and France game that saw France defeat them two nil. Scores by Rafael Varane and the man, the myth, the legend, Antoine Griezmann. Not not a good day at the office without Cavani for Uruguay. All things considered. I think when we look at this, the way these goals were scored, if you saw them and you didn't know who scored them or what jersey was on the person who scored them, you would think these were Uruguay goals because it was like a set piece that was just flicked on uh, and a shot that, well, kind of just goes right through Musilera. Oh, Musilera. We will get to uh, we will get to his goalkeeper's union statement in just a few minutes, but I do want to I do want to start with the first goal of Varane. So. He's wide open. That's number one. That can't happen. And I, honestly, of all the teams in the tournament that that would have happened against, I honestly don't think I ever would have picked Uruguay. But the the funny thing is, like, I was sitting there watching it, and I was thinking to myself, well, I mean, if there was ever a time to get the ball to Giroud, right? And so the goal gets scored, and because it's like kind of a scrum, you're, you're not sure who scored it right away. And JP Delacamera yells out, Giroud scored it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, look at that. Perfect masterpiece by France. And then they show the replay, and you realize that it was not Giroud. In fact, Giroud, not even in the camera shot, not even really in the same zip code as this ball in the end. So I'm not sure what he saw there. I don't know if he was thinking like me, like just assuming that, oh, if somebody heads this in, it has to be Giroud. But not the best moment by Della Camera. Hey, lay off, lay off JP. He's a good guy. And he's, not I mean, biased it's, at all, It's one you? of those things, if you do look at the replay from the angle that kind of showed the most, you're just watching it. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple guys are going up for it. There's Godin there. I remember seeing, you know... And then just Varane just streaks through the, the shot, even in slow-mo, and just steps in front of everyone. Honestly, it was it's difficult to defend even if someone was, you know, grappling him. Because he really just gets up and just flicks it on uh, a good head. on the run. It's Absolutely a phenomenal header. header. The, the art of the header seems lost these days, so I'm glad that somebody puts it exactly where it needs to be, down. In the corner. In the corner. Oh, wait, flicked on. He, he doesn't... He doesn't need to put power on it. He just needs to keep redirect it back on the target. Um, I do want to bring this back four years when Germany played France in the World Cup. Uh, Varane gets manhandled 
by uh, Mats Hummels, who scores the sole goal in that game off of a corner kick. Uh, and, and Germany go on to beat France 1-0. You know, you know, set-piece goal, corner kick, not really the most convincing win. And Varane comes back four years later and comes <laughs> up with a header of this magnitude in this stage. You know, shows a little bit of um, it's my character ma- from the maturing man. from it, at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so. look, France at that last World Cup, I think a lot of people... Nobody, nobody knew exactly what to expect from them, but I, I know that the thought was, okay, maybe not this year, but four years from now, this team, if everybody, if people hit their ceilings, they should be pretty good, and that's yeah. why, and that I think that's 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 come to light. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a team where I did say at the beginning this uh, this French team is likely to implode, and again, I'm gonna. <laughs> Say I was wrong there. Uh, they've really come together and been impressive in just about every uh, facet of the game. Uh, I think the people deserve to know what just happened. Yeah, I'm getting a little <laughs> bit because I was trying to pick a peanut out of my jar, and I had like two fingers kind of chopsticking it. Oh, and as I was goodness. pulling it over my water bottle, I dropped it into my water. So oh. there, there is a peanut in my water right now. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it. Don't worry. Yeah, he'll get he'll get to it. Uh, it's, I, yeah, that's what we're laughing about. But but yeah, no, it, this is definitely the culmination of a lot of a lot of you know talented players kind of coming into their own now. And then think about it like this: the last when France lost that game against Germany four years ago, Mbappe was fifteen. So, no, no. so there's some things you couldn't account for, right? Nobody could have possibly known that Mbappe would be starting at the World Cup for France and having such a big role in it. I might add. No Conte, no Mbappe. That's true. And Golo Conte was just the guy. He was a no one. No Pavard, no Lucas Hernandez. Uh, Griezmann was, I think, like kind of just makes, breaking on the scene Griezmann, at Atletico. Griezmann, Griezmann, I think, had the reputation of this guy could be pretty good. But, you know, you, we, don't, we don't know. He, now he's you know, arguably top five, top ten player in the world. Giroud is just kind of getting into Arsenal. Um, not just, but. Well, you know. I think he'd be one of the more one of the guys that you would say, yeah, maybe he'll get pushed out. Yeah. Uh, so and Pogba was you know at Juventus a good player but hasn't matured as much so definitely a lot going on with this you team. You mean you don't enjoy the Pogba Diaries? I haven't seen them. I, I, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I I don't care. Uruguay I think will feel hard done by what happened all things considered. Uh, the two goals they conceded not having Cavani could have used Ladero in this game. I, 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 know. I mean, this is, the American, this is the American soccer show, so I got to back up any MLS players. But that's a joke. He would um, not have. I helped. think Betancourt as their uh, attacking midfielder is a pretty good option. Yeah, so I, I do see, I do see your point in that regard. The one thing I want to talk about on the other side. So obviously, Edison Cavani is missing from Uruguay, and that that clearly left their attack pretty pretty hard done. But I will say that that first ten ish minutes by Uruguay was probably their best flurry of the entire game because they really came out and took the game to uh, France as best they could. They didn't end up finding the back of the net, and I think it, ultimately, you know, goals change games. I know that's the big cliche, but it's true, right? If, if Uruguay can find a goal there, perhaps them bunkering in may have ended up working out in their favor, but we'll never know. And I, I think that there is some positive to take away from that. I, I also think that there is a bit of uncertainty going forward. All of their players aren't, you know all that old but you know you got Diego Godin 32 you don't think he'll see him at the next World Cup you no. meant center back don't think he'll be there don't think Suarez will be there don't you think Cavani will be there you wouldn't think either of those two will be there be, you know luck, you'd be lucky to have one of them still playing at a fairly decent level let alone both so you won't you'll probably have to replace your two strikers at top you might require a com- almost a completely different system to be honest with you because this one was designed basically because he had two true number nines playing there 
So, you know, you, you do have Jimenez, the other center back. He'll be Good around. Player. He'll be around. He's 23 years old. He'll be entering his prime. Then uh, Caceres, right back. He won't be he around. Probably won't but... be around. Luxal. Luxal will probably he'll be around. Be, he'll, but he'll be around. I don't know how much more progressing he really has under him. I don't know how much you can really expect out of he's him. He's a solid player, though. I think you can, you'd be okay with him going forward. You know, Vecino, he's 26. He'll probably be around. Betancourt will be probably the lifeblood of this team. Of What we looked at right now, I think Betancourt is... Yeah, Betancourt has still got some... That, that guy you're looking at is being, all right, now you're going to be the guy who takes his team forward. Uh, Torreira is 22 years old. He'll be back. Uh, Nandez, 22 years old. So, so it looks to me like their midfield is probably coming back. That's the good news. Because here's the thing. As good as Suarez and Cavani are, there there will be another Uruguayan striker. It, it, they may not be as good as those two, but you can. the system right now is tailor fit for those two. So I think that in the future, you can see a path to, okay, no more. We're playing two number nines where we need one of them. You can now perhaps afford to play with only one striker. More or, as a team game as opposed to tailored to your two guys. Right. But listen, the thing is, we've said about Uruguay is they're a center back, center forward team. Jimenez de Godin. And Suarez and Cavani. Those are the big guys on this team. These are the impact players. You're missing, you're losing three of these four by the next World Cup. I mean, listen, they lost Forlan last, um, you know, he was such a big impact for them in 2010. Um, it, it's reasonable, it's, you know, it's not too unreasonable to think that they'll have someone coming in, but we just don't know that. Their, their style lends itself to continuing on past generations. Now, of course, they've, Cavani, you mentioned the 2010 World Cup, Cavani and Suarez have been around for quite some time. So that has always sort of been a constant. But the reality is they're they're not a very, you know, direct team. And that's not to say that that couldn't change with the future coming. But let's be honest with ourselves. It's, there's sort of a Uruguayan way to play. And it's it's not always the prettiest, but it gets a lot of results. And there's a reason that they've been at the last three World Cups, made it in the knockout stages, and have done pretty good work, all things considered. I think they've gotten to the quarterfinals and in, in all of them. They might have gotten round of 16 last time. I can't. I honestly can't remember what they did at the last World Cup when they got out of but the, the the point is, I think that this is, um, I, I do think this is a little bit more on uh, France's kind of ability to, to plow through and get a result. They only had two shots on target the whole game uh, for the two goals. One of them was, you know, a set-piece header from pretty far out. And the other one was a shot that just goes through Muslera's hands. Um, so, again, Uruguay will definitely feel hard done. They will think they deserve better. But France right now is looking like a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, and I'm there's some bad really, dudes on that team, and so I'm really excited with their semifinal, which we will get to later. Yeah, so one more thing before we jump away here. I told you it was coming, so I had to ask Muslera, what does his goalkeepers union rep have to say for him after this one, this, this um, nightmare of a goal that he gives up to Griezmann? I mean, I mean, yeah, this, this is gonna be one that's gonna haunt his nightmares for a while, right? That's his. Safe you're in the World Cup, and you're once it's you have it's a one goal game. You know, you think you can steal one here, or there. At two, it's a lot more difficult. That ended the game. That, 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 there's that no iced arguing, it. I don't think. He, if, listen, it looked like an easier save than it was. The ball's moving. He, his problem is he never gets set. His feet are in the air while it's coming, which means he can't get any weight behind it when he gets his hands to it. And it's moving a lot. So his body's going one way. The ball's going the other with his hands. So you can see he kind of tries to get in two minds of trying to just punch it out and tap it above the bar. And because of that, it kind of just pops up and goes in the net. I, w- I would say, for people watching that, a lot of them will think it's easy. If they were facing that shot, I think 9 out of 10 people who are not trained at all in goalkeeping would probably see that ball go into the net. That's that's how difficult that, that shot <laughs> actually is. Well, yeah, but to be fair... For a classically well, trained goalkeeper at the professional level, yeah, you'd expect him to do better with it. Uh, you would expect him to do better with it. Now, this is just my assessment. 
Uh, not of what he did. I, you know, obviously what he did was wrong. But what I, he did was wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with that, right? But what I what I was what I was thinking in the moment was, you know, I, I think that part of the part of the reason that these things happen, the same reason it happened to Carius and why it seems to happen to these goalkeepers is, I feel like sometimes when the ball moves like that, the goalkeeper in that split second decides he want no, he can't just push it out. Right, like he's almost afraid to give up the corner because then it's like, oh, why would you just give up a free corner? But the reality is, obviously, it's a lot better to give up a corner than it is to just put it in the net. I I think it's more of getting caught in two minds than trying to catch it. It didn't look like Musilera tried to catch that ball. Maybe he should have tried chesting it. Scorpion kick. <laughs> but it, it it is something where if you look at it, uh, the the common thing with goalkeeping is you want to get your body behind the ball. Right. That doesn't always mean that your your chest is behind it always. So right, you can be doing a basket catch. It, it, could be in a position where it goes through, goes through your legs, but your body's there, a dive. You're kind of setting it up. The point is that you're having your weight behind the ball, and your feet are set, your weight's on it, so the ball doesn't overpower you. Right. So when I talk about a strong hand on a save, this isn't because the guy has gone out and lifted 500 pounds and can, <laughs> and can overpower a, you know, a measly you mean he's soccer not doing, ball. You mean he's not doing like hand exercises? Yeah. He, he, push-ups for just his hands? He's not doing finger push-ups. Oh, okay. No, it, it's, it's because he's got the right technique. He's got all of his muscles working together. To, to get behind the ball and not just his wrists, basically. Fair. And that's what Musilera did here. He didn't have any weight behind it. His arms were basically rag dolls when it happened, pieces of spaghetti. And so the best thing he could have done was probably get the, the heels of his palm to it, and, and it, it would be like a punch, basically, at that point, and punch it away. I think he tries to kind of half tip it over, half tap it down. Which is his problem. Can't get caught in between, that's for sure. Definitely not a good look for him. So uh, Uruguay's attention will turn to the Copa America next summer. Where I honestly, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. That's it, right? That's it for Cavani and Suarez uh, for Uruguay at that tournament. It'll be kind of all on them for, yeah. for their careers going forward. So if Uruguay want to win a championship or a trophy with, with them involved, I'm going to go ahead and guess that'll probably be it. Not unless... Well, yeah, I mean, because that's it. Like, that, not unless there's another Copa America. You're not a big fan of the third place trophy in the 2010 World Cup. Did trophy? They... <laughs> I don't think there's a trophy for that. They get medals. Yeah, well, it's 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 some sort of competition. No, but I'm with you. This is kind of their last chance. But again, let's think of Uruguay. This is a country of about three point, you know, something million people. I, they they have a lot to be proud with with what this team has done and this this uh, generation of players. Speaking of a golden generation of players. Belgium's golden generation are officially through to the semifinals with their 2-1 win over Brazil. It was pure dominance, really, from Belgium from the opening whistle. It wasn't until the second half when things kind of turned around for Brazil and that it was a little too late for them. I wanted to start with Belgium's tactical approach to this game because I was, I was really interested with how they kind of decided to go away from their back three, back five, whatever you want to kind of look at it as, right? Because for, this, for the majority of this tournament, they've been playing... Mounier as a right right wing back, right midfielder, and then Carrasco, and then we kind of saw Chadley come on in the round of 16 as the left wing back, left mid, however, and then, you know, Vertonghen company and Outerwild as the center backs. In this game, Roberto Martinez decides to change it up a little bit, and he goes with Mounier as the right back, Outerwild company as center backs, and Vertonghen as a left back, Chadley, Weitzel, and, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but Fellaini... That's another midfielder. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it this way. Fellaini. And then up top, to me, perhaps the most interesting one of them all. So, you know, he's been using uh, mostly Hazard, Lukaku, and then Dries Mertens. But instead here, he's basically, he's taken Dries Mertens out. 
He's added Fellaini to the starting 11, and then he's pushed Kevin De Bruyne up the field and played what was basically Kevin De Bruyne's a false nine, which I, if you told me beforehand, I would have said, oh, great, another manager who thinks he's got all the answers and he's going to play a false nine and it's going to be tricky, but it worked perfectly for Belgium because Kevin De Bruyne was able to move around wherever he needed to to get the ball and get the ball to either Hazard who was filling up space on the left or Lukaku who was filling the acres and acres of space left by Marcelo on that right-hand side for Belgium. And it was evident on every single breakaway that Belgium had that it, they were just going to keep exposing it and Brazil had no answer for it, right? You know, Marcelo at left back, we've had this conversation many times. He's it's a fantastic asset, and you definitely can't, you know, it's very hard to make an argument to keep him out of the starting 11 when he's fit. But this is the reality of Marcelo, is that you play, they played Lukaku on that right-hand side, and he was just eating up that space. He's a big dude. So to be leaving him, you know, one-on-one so often, I think played into Belgium's hands so well. And I was shocked that there was basically no adjustment made. I, I don't know what adjustments there are, I guess, right? You can't sub Marcelo out because you'd be subbing in Felipe Luis, and they needed a goals. Yeah, it was um, – <clears throat> I think it, it did um, kind of lean a little bit more to his older formation than we might have uh, thought. Chadley did kind of stick wide as almost a wing back. Yeah. So it could kind of put five back there and Fellaini and Vitz on the midfield. Fellaini really was, pretty, all things considered, pretty good there. Um, and Lukaku's biggest thing was, yeah, turning around and basically being the guy who turns the counterattack and runs forward with the ball. Um so it was almost like him and De Bruyne were kind of interchangeably playing a false nine where they could come back and kind of help in the midfield. Uh, we did see on that second goal, De Bruyne's goal, which is just such a beautiful strike. Such a beautiful goal, but so much time. And that was that was where we saw Marcelo really not doing enough defensively. He never really closes him down. He does have help. Uh, I, think it was, um, I think it was Hazard on the right side who was there with him who was right next to him. So De Bruyne pulls it in, and you're thinking, okay, you need to, someone has to go wide to stop the the pass, and someone has to stop the shot. No one stops the shot, and De Bruyne just hits it absolutely perfectly. That that whole play is Lukaku coming back into his own defensive third, turning um, Fernandinho, actually, uh, who was trying to mark him there. And I think there's another case where we saw Casemiro getting suspended because of yellow cards. Might have been a bit more useful here. Well, not only that, poor Fernandinho, who didn't play a terrible game, all things considered. You mentioned that that little gaffe there. From him. He should have fouled him. He probably he he pulls down he Lukaku. That goal down. doesn't happen. But the other thing is that Fernandinho also scores the own goal and in the thirteenth minute. I think that that was almost like an indicative of Brazil's game was just like it wasn't their game. I could I, not get out of their own way. I honestly thought that um, Brazil had a pretty good start, but after that they they almost seemed a little bit disinterested. They were like, yeah, we'll let Hazard, De Bruyne, and Lukaku create attacks. Lukaku kind of got, I thought, manhandled, and Miranda got the best out of him for the most part. Miranda, I, I think, I think Lukaku won a couple, a foul or two here or there. Miranda, but Miranda won more. He won the ball off of him almost every time after that. Um, I and it was, a, I, I mean, if we're going to say it was a pretty good tactical um, adjustment, saying Marcelo can't deal with him, we'll put Miranda on him. I will say this, uh, Miranda. Miranda impressed me, and I think it goes to show sometimes, you know, people, especially at the center back, right, people will often cite age, and just like we did with Uruguay right now, we're like, eh, I probably won't be around. But Miranda has seen a lot of dudes come, and he's seen a lot of them go. And I got to tell you what, that experience is invaluable when you're going up against someone like Kaku, who is literally just stronger and bigger than you. There's a very interesting 
um, YouTube clip, I, I suggest you go out there and look at it, of Lukaku, uh, of his time at Everton. There's a little YouTube clip of uh, with Jamie Carragher, who goes on behalf of Sky Sports, and um, Lukaku basically shows him, I could score on anybody, and I'll show you how. And he's like, here, defend me like this. And so Carragher steps up, and this is a retired Carragher, who's like 38, who steps up on Lukaku's back, and Lukaku just turns him and scores every time. Uh, and a, a lot of times the video ends there, but there is one clip out there where Carragher says, okay, I, yeah, but you're doing would beat me every time, but this is how I'd defend you. And there's one more, like, 10 seconds where Lukaku, Carragher, instead of being up on Lukaku's back, where he could turn him really easily, Carragher takes two steps back when Lukaku takes his touch and immediately steps in and wins the ball on it. And that was what Miranda did every time. He didn't get close to him. He didn't try to beat him with speed. He just, when Lukaku was taking to take his touch and make a turn or a big touch, he backed off and got on the, the uh, got on between him and the ball. So really artful defending for me there. It was really just that one play where Lukaku was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but the own goal, again, Brazil will feel hard done by... Um, all things considered, that was a pretty ugly goal, if you ask me. I was pretty sure it's off Fernandinho's <laughs> arm too. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was not not a great not a great day at the office for Brazil in pretty much every category you could imagine. Uh, William gets subbed off at halftime. I thought it was kind of thought it was a good decision. Amusing. Douglas Costa was great in that second half. That second half was all Brazil. I was kind of amused by that. Just it was amusing. It's, it's amusing to me because I you know I find myself constantly like having to fight this idea that William is this great player who Chelsea has misused and mistreated and I already talked about it after the FA Cup when he posted that picture on Instagram where you know he's blocking out Conte with the trophies and basically throwing a big fit and I've already said it I made it very clear I don't I don't care if he stays or if he goes because that I don't need that attitude it just isn't it, you're just not good enough to be like that nobody to be fair nobody really should be but like had Hazard done it I might have had to say well I mean He's Hazard. He, he kind of have to go with it. But William is not good enough consistently to be doing that. And so in a game like this, I say to myself, I mean, I'm just saying, didn't look to me like he did a whole lot out there. And he gets subbed off at halftime for a reason. You know, you can tr- question Chiche's tactics all you want, but... That was the right decision. He had to do something, and he got William that one just right. wasn't getting enough. I, I the second half, the second half, Brazil actually, I was impressed by. Brazil definitely. All things put considered, it on. they probably deserve to get the equalizer. I mean, they basically did. And then <laughs> Coutinho oh, had a couple misses. Coutinho had one. The one where I, I think it's Neymar that just plays him a perfect ball that he can just he's gonna he's like, sh- he's like smash eleven yards out, and he he's tries to get it. it. He tries to get it, uh, wrap his hip around it, get his foot around it, and curl it like that Coutinho fashion. But he just can't get it. If, if he he could just roll that. He could blast, he could roll, you just put your foot through it, that's a goal. It's got to go on target for sure. It has to be on target. And if you're Coutinho, I'm just going to go ahead and say you probably got to have it. With how well he's played in this World Cup, you would expect Coutinho to have that. And he'll have nightmares about it, and I'm sure he knows. He knows deep down. But later in the game, well, it's basically the last play of the game. Yes. And this, this was The absurd. save by Courtois was tremendous. Absolutely amazing. This ball... I, I, I've looked at it enough times. I'm not convinced it was going in. I'm also not convinced that, that That's it wasn't. the most amazing thing, isn't it, though? Yeah. I guess if you want to look at it that, from that perspective, is even if it, if it wasn't going in, it actually makes it slightly more impressive when you consider that he was able to get up so high. And, it, was, it, was going, it was either going to go top corner or off the bar in the top, near the top corner. I, I, we'll never know, right? For, for all intents and purposes, that ball's probably going in. 
And if you're Courtois, why would you take the? Sh- you never take you that never, chance. You never. You obviously can't Wonderful take that chance. Save. So he just absolutely makes a phenomenal save in a World Cup with so many goalkeeping errors and gaffes and misplays and a lot of hate on goalkeepers. I got to give it to Courtois there because he absolutely stood on his head for that one. And his reaction afterwards, I like some raw emotion from guys. That's raw emotion. When he, he goes over it. to who I'm assuming is his coach, goalkeeper his goalkeeping coach. coach, and just goes over there and just yells in his face, and the goalkeeping coach is yelling with him. Hey, that's awesome. I love that kind of thing. So. That's basically that. That's basically it for the story of this game. They, Belgium clearly came out with the better plan. Started stronger, got the goals they needed. Uh, Brazil were able I, to hang in there. I, I do think that that second half they were, it was a little bit worrisome defensively. Um, Brazil had a couple penalty shouts. Neymar, Neymar was disappointing for me. I, Neymar, I, I, I did have something I want to bring up. I gotta say this for someone who's trying to challenge as being one of the best in the world. If you're looking at Neymar, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo was the best of those three in this tournament. Right. For me, Neymar, the thing that bothers me about Neymar, and you remember before the tournament we mentioned that we didn't think Brazil had a true leader anymore. For many years, it it feels like they've just, they haven't had... Thiago Silva. I don't Miranda, think, I don't Thiago think, he, Miranda. I don't think those two are, are are very good, and I think it shows. Without, they were the leaders in the last World Cup. I don't think I don't. They think were they're there good playing enough. there. I don't think they're good enough leaders. But, well, first of all, it was David Luiz and uh, and, and the, I, I forgot uh, who the other center back David was playing Louise. in that Germany defeat. Right, right. No, I don't think they're good enough because I will say this: look at how Neymar acts, and look at I almost want to tell you that it actually affects the rest of the team. They see him flopping around like a fish, yelling for every call. At some point, it gets kind of toxic. I agree with the Neymar part. I disagree about um, Thiago Silva and Miranda. Marcelo was the captain at times. I think those are three guys that gain a lot of respect, not only in this Brazil team, but around the world. Um, the problem is... I, there's a reason the armband... I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There's a reason the armband rotates. The, I, Never well, a good thing. It's been, on, it's been on Marcelo when he's been healthy. They rotate the armband. I'm telling you, they 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 like they have gone to the policy of we don't have a captain because nobody has really stepped to take it. And I mean, I'm, I'll just go ahead and say that, that that usually doesn't work. I'm with the idea that that Neymar has been a that that is a bit of a toxic uh, development, but I and that people do kind of link on that. The thing is, he is the leader of this team with that skill. He's the face of the team. He should be more of a leader, and that kind of I do think that brings the team down without some of his antics. Um, it's a, it's still immature with him. Uh, and by the way, under Chiche, sixteen players have worn the armband. What, what about in the World Cup? I, I don't know. I don't two. have that number in front of me. But regardless, it's been two. The Marcelo point. and Miranda. I'm, I'm I understand your point you're getting at here with uh, Neymar. We thought it matured at the time going to PSG, some time at Barcelona. I think it's could become clear to clear to me that Neymar is still the same guy he's been for quite some time. I, I expect look for number one. We expect more, right? You, if you want to cement yourself as the third player and really the future, because this is this this is not just about now. This is about now. In the next five years, we we're gonna have to have new faces of the sport. Messi and Ronaldo aren't gonna be around forever, and this World Cup is pretty indicative that we're getting we're getting closer and closer to that time, right? Neymar playing like that cannot be the face of the sport. Honestly, honestly, this might be something people disagree with, but if I was Lining up Brazil here, I wouldn't want Neymar out there. I'd want Douglas Costa on one wing, and I'd want Felipe Ooh. Coutinho on the other, and I'd want a midfield of Casemiro, Paulinho, and honestly Renato Augusto. As much as this guy who's been playing in China is is been like, you know, like oh why is he here? Why is he there? He was good. He got goals for them. Yeah, he true. made runs. He, he was he was energetic. Renato Augusto very nearly, very nearly 
very nearly basically brought them back into this game by himself. Now, one of one of them's a great, a, a phenomenal pass by Coutinho that sets him up, but he's still going to score. And for and, great header from that distance. And, and, and let's just say this: let's for what it's worth, you still have to score it. That's something Brazil couldn't do until he got in the game, right? At some point, you had to break the deadlock, and it looked like it wasn't happening. It wasn't until that play that Augusto finally kind of broke it up for Brazil and, and got them back in the game. It was 76 minutes, so it basically gave them uh, a, little, a little under 20 minutes to get that equalizer. And, uh, again, credit they to... They should have had it, credit, honestly. Credit to Belgium for hanging in there, but you're not wrong. I think that I think that Belgium should consider themselves a bit fortunate that Brazil didn't tie that game again. I think they should be fortunate that they're in the semifinal. It's a little unfair because it's a highly <laughs> talented team um, who who's done a lot right. But look at the Japan game last time. They had to come back from 2 nothing down to Japan. I think that nobody gave any credit to. And honestly, had, the first goal was ridiculous. They had to get bailed out by Fellaini just being Fellaine. basically at a head and a half taller than anyone on Japan. And then terrible tactics and gamesmanship by Japan at the end to give up that counter. So so right there, Belgium basically gets let off the hook by Japan. In this Brazil game, they got to a, a great start, but then they kind of lose the narrative at the end and they let Brazil take control of the game. Against this France team that I have been not so fair to, as because they will be facing the semifinal, I I would be worried about this Belgium defense. Honestly, this could be like a five goal game on either side. This is I. Here's the thing: Brazil Belgium could have, and I think you might agree with this. Probably could have been worthy of a final. Had this been the final, I think everybody would have been like, "Oh yeah, absolutely worthy of a final." Yeah. Same with Belgium France for that matter. That, that, that we're getting some pretty quality games on this side of the uh, the bracket. So kind of unfortunate that it's kind of worked out this way. But you'll know whoever wins this World Cup is probably going to have earned it. Always the amount of games you have to play, you have to win all these games in a tournament setting with the pressure. So, I don't care if you're on the other side of the weak side of the bracket. Well, that I mean, is a lot. You still have to win that final against the top team. Can you imagine England <laughs> talking about England and saying, ah, they didn't earn it? Yeah, no, that'd be a good way to get <laughs> under the English's skin. Yeah, that's 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 fair. But I think that's that basically does it for this. I Those are two great games. I think the Uruguay one, Uruguay were a little bit underwhelming, but all things considered, good good half of the bracket. Yeah, uh, so far quarterfinals round of sixteen games. Yeah, so uh, same thing as Uruguay with Brazil. They'll uh, as about as good as they can anyway. Move on to the Copa America next summer. We'll see. We'll see what happens because I can tell you playing like that. I mean, probably in the Copa America, I'm assuming it'd probably be a little, a little bit different. A little did, different. They did but... well in qualifying, and I, I mean, this Brazil team do still have most of their pieces. They're young. Uh, Jesus. Um, Coutinho, Neymar should all be around next World Cup. Yeah. The big problem facing them is I don't think they'll have Thiago Silva or Miranda, and maybe not even Marcelo. So the big question mark with that defense going forward. Yeah, no kidding. It will definitely be even honestly even Fagner. Yeah, that that could be a. They, they might need a, a big um, overhaul defensive. Which overall, to be fair, yeah. I think they kind of need anyway. It feels like their back line needs to come into a new age. Uh, Felipe Luis. I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see more of him. He was really strong. In his he was last good, game. but he'll also be thirty-two, so you won't think he'll be around. You, you mentioned midfielders. That was the other. That was the other point. Before we go, Fred, Fred's injured. That's the, the reason has come out now that Fred basically was there because they felt that there was no point in replacing him. So Fred is Fred. That's why. And if anyone's wondering why Fred didn't play, that was why he was. Casemiro injured. tackled him. Yeah. So so that's kind of the big thing. He's twenty-five. He'll be twenty-nine. You, so you'll assume he's ready to go for Qatar in twenty-twenty-two. Yeah. He's going to Manchester happens. United. So this is kind of the, the next big step of his career. He, Fred the Red. He could. He oh, like that. I actually don't like that that much. But yeah. <laughs> but he. Yeah. He I, could. He, I think he could have been someone that could have helped. 
but that's that, that's obviously just no one's fault. That that, that just Casemiro. Oh, well, okay. Other than Casemiro, who of course then didn't even have the decency to play in this game, right? <laughs> yeah, but the nerve. Yeah. All right. We move on then to the aforementioned England. Uh, they keep saying they keep telling me football is coming home. I I I don't like that. It's kind I, of funny, but I thought the funnier thing was that you mentioned uh, if Russia had been if, won it all. What if r- football, football is already home? home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. That's not going to work out. But yeah, it's two goals. Uh, Harry Maguire, Deli Ali. You've been calling for Harry Maguire to score a header. He scores a header. Slabhead. Slabhead's been great. He. Uh, I think there's a stat like he's won thirty some thirty two thirty three aerial duels, the most any player in this World Cup. Slabhead. I think the find big, that head. The, the biggest omission here for me is the omission of Gustav Svensson, who does not even come on as a sub, unfortunately, meaning that MLS has now officially been eliminated from the World Cup. And that's we, all we had a we good have. run. Yeah, we did good. Had a good run. So, unfortunately for us, that also ends the American Soccer Show coverage of the World Cup. We'll see you next time. We'll see you the no, next year. No, I'm just we kidding. can't do that. That would be absurd. I mean, we're almost there. We almost made hey, Can you imagine Sweden having made it to the semifinal? I thought then... they could have pulled it off. I mean, I England, all the English pundits and most people in general were like, this is a comfortable win for England. England, they should be happy. They breeze through this. I I wasn't so sure how easy this was. They get a header from Harry Maguire, who, and this is, I, I think, very out of character for Sweden. Emil Forsberg was marking him. Like the shortest guy and least likely to win a header on the Sweden team. I take anyone else in this team. He's their one technical guy, and he's on England's only uh, aerial target this whole tournament. That one baffled me. And then after that, it was basically... Um, a later in the game, Deli Alley kind of drifted to the back post. But I, for me, the big changing moment was for the first time Sweden had to chase the game. And they still almost had three goals. Pickford had made three fantastic saves. That that number is important because while England outshot Sweden 12-6, I think the bigger number here is shots on target. Sweden had three. England had two. So England buried their two shots on target, and that's it. That's Sweden it. actually outshot them in that category. And to me, that's really impressive. Shots and blocked is six for England, one for Sweden. Now, of course, that you know, you can say what you want about that. But to me, that's absolutely crazy. So I actually agree with you in the sense that everybody's talking about a comfortable win for England. I'm looking at the numbers here, and I'm, I'm finding it hard to look, believe. Look at the game. Sweden had a good chance from 12 yards away. Pickford comes up massively. The rebound, Jordan Henderson's basically... Throws his body at it three times to keep it out. There's a there's a big difference between being the better team and winning comfortably. England absolutely deserved to win. They absolutely played a better game. But that doesn't mean that Sweden couldn't have just as easily turned that game around. And who knows what could have happened if they just scored one of those on target shots. I mean, yeah, that's the the game opens up, and I and we we look, I mentioned that Harry Maguire header how important that was because Sweden again they've only been trailing for like two minutes in that Germany game, not even two minutes. That was like one of the last kicks of the game. So this is the first time they've really been trailing in this tournament. I, I'm surprised they gave that up, of all things to consider. A set piece. If uh, I think in a different world, and of course this is a little bit silly to go into. Unfortunately for us, we live in reality. Sweden pull, pull this game out because they don't give up. They don't let Emil Forsberg mark Harry Maguire like that. He just gets manhandled out there. That's true. If you were drawing it up, that's not the way you would have drawn up the defense on that. Yana Anderson will be furious with that. He's an angry-looking dude. In general. He's a yeah, grumpy-looking that, that, grumpy coach. I would not want to cross that guy. For England, I mean, what what's really puzzling me at this point is how Raheem Sterling is still playing. He's active. He's a- he gets I, in good spaces. I'll give him that. He's he's always around, and you always have to account for him. But I don't know. I, I I'm think, starting to wonder if maybe Marcus Rashford would just be better off there. 
I like Rashford as an impact sub because he does have pace and power. Sure, but the then they, but they already have Jamie Vardy, who's basically the same thing except he's just shorter. Jamie, yeah, Jamie Vardy is always more a guy who's just going to stretch the defense. I think Rashford is a guy who you'd have running with the ball. Vardy's like a guy who, like, you know, you might just clip one over the top and I'll just smash one in from 25 yards out off the first touch. So he does kind of have a little bit of magic in that ability. Uh, I'm with you, Sterling hasn't proven anything yet, but his movement off the ball, the way he opens up space for guys like Kane, uh, it's useful. I wouldn't be too surprised if he doesn't get a start. The thing is, he has shown at City that he has goals in him, but he also has big misses. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I think it's not too far off to think he could get behind Lovren and Vita. Or Troluca if he's playing. If yeah, they, your boy, Dayan Lovren, definitely will have... He'll have his hands full. He'll have his hands full. The, all, that whole uh, back line will have their hands full. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, in terms of what Sweden will do moving forward, I always find, I always find it harder to read maybe a European team like this because they're... Look, the resume getting here, we've already been over it many times. The amount of teams that they've eliminated to get here, the amount of teams that they've really kind of taken out back behind the woodshed, for, all, for lack of a better phrase, they've really they've impressed against the bigger sides... It's going to be tough. I, I don't, you know. Can they keep that up? Can they keep that up for another four years? It's going to be, European qualifying can be very brutal. It was brutal to them this time, and they still got out. So, you don't, you just don't know how players will react. Uh, obviously, the shorter term thing will be that Nations League, which also apparently acts as uh, European Championship qualifying. So, that's the short term. The long term, obviously, the next World Cup. I, it could go either way for me. I'm, they I'm have a... They have a mix. They have a mix of older and younger yeah. players, so we'll kind of see how that goes. I'm yeah. excited to see how they uh, see them moving forward. I think they got a lot of hate for their style of play, but I, I, I was actually in, uh, I enjoyed their tactics because they were strong defensively, which is like, why wouldn't you be? This is a World Cup. The first thing you do for, for any team should be don't concede a goal. So they were great at that up until this game. Yeah. Other than that, if you saw the, the way they, they always come compacted space. Even when they had the ball, the space was compact. If you saw how many times they played one-two touch, little triangles, little diamonds in their own defensive third and midfield to get around presses, and they always had three guys up on the back line. They, so were... they always had an outlet. If they played it up, they had they had something written up where Toivinen would come in and Berg would make a run. I thought they deserved more credit for how they played. I don't think it was that ugly. It was. I don't think it was as bad as people said it was. And more importantly... I just think I think the hate went a little too far with them. I think it was just easy because you saw a group of Germany, Mexico, and even South Korea, right, who all played more open, and I'm using the air quotes here, more open attacking play. It was just easy to say, oh, oh. oh Sweden's boring. Sit back. I, I, you know what? Had, even if Zlatan was just a sub, I guarantee you no one would have said that. Everyone would have just been like, oh, Sweden. Yeah. I, no, what, I think a lot of people didn't even know about Forsberg. Gronkvist has been like a, they a would have solid defender. To this podcast. I mean, yeah, no, they. <laughs> everyone's been talking. Oh, the Red Bull Leipzig. They got to get it to Forsberg. He plays at Leipzig. He's been very good. Yeah, we we know he's a talented player, but he wasn't the only thing that only person created for this team. Right. And, so that and midfield this... of Ekdal and Larson, they were the real facilitators. I thought Forsberg showed a little bit of immaturity at times. Uh, if I don't think Larson has no chance to get the next World uh, Cup. No, he's 33 years old. I'm going to go ahead and count him out for the next World Cup. Maybe. Maybe he's still got a shot at the next European Championships, but he, it's not a given. Even in the expanded format, I will say it's also not a given to qualify for that. So you know, you'd think that he he's got a shot at playing at that, but that's also two years from now. So and there's really only two or three more European spots. A lot of the spots are allocated elsewhere. There's like oh, so like North America gets. I meant the expanded Euro, but yeah, oh, I see your point. Euro. Either expanded way, expanded World Cup. Yeah, no, no, you're not wrong, but that's also not in four years. 
So Larson exactly, will definitely yeah. Larson will definitely not be at the 2026 World Cup. If he is, uh, somebody can come find me and I'll buy you a ticket to one of them. I'm surprised he's he still was, playing now, to be honest. He was a guy who relied on pace for much of his career as right. a winger. Oh, hey, that's a sign of a good technical player, though, for sure. One that can move and transition. He, he's, and he is a workhorse. Uh, so, I mean, good, well done, England. They've kind of Football's backed, coming home. They've, they've backed up this very cocky, relaxed attitude. I don't I mean not cocky, but confident. Um, which is, it's it's nice to see. I, I've i enjoyed watching England crash out in the last few tournaments, but this has been nice to see. All that's left is for them to lose to Croatia in the next round, which, spoiler alert, means we're moving on. Russia and Croatia played to a 2-2 draw before Croatia won the penalty shootout 4-3. Yeah. Um, this, this game was ridiculous. This, this is this is so weird. So Cheryshev, who is who was on his way, honestly, had Russia won this game, Cheryshev would have had a legitimate shout in my book for a player of the tournament. Because this man, just every time Russia needed something from him, he would just he was scoring bangers and screamers every chance he got. So my congratulations to him. For his uh, incredible performance, it's amazing. I, I there's something to be said about a player like Cheryshev because it, for those of you maybe who don't remember, Cheryshev was a Real Madrid product. When you get cast off from that, and you actually may remember him as the player that got Real Madrid kicked out of the Copa del Rey two years ago when they because they fielded him when they didn't realize when he'd he was been red carded. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you may have heard of him for that reason, but Cheryshev, for all intents and purposes. It was basically cast off from the Real Madrid Academy. That's not supposed to be a death sentence, right? You know, just because you can't make it at Real Madrid doesn't mean that... Danny Carvajal was cast out from that Real Madrid team, went to Leverkusen, had a great season, and came back. Exactly. It's not It's not a death sentence by any stretch. But, I mean, it's no... Like, if you, if you get a dream job, and then one day they turn around and say, you know what, it's just not... You're just not good enough to be here. That's, that's not an easy thing to turn around from. Especially for someone like Cheryshev, who, let's face it, he's not, he's not a Spanish. He's not Spanish, so it meant... That he doesn't have, you know, somebody maybe calling in a favor for him in a lot of the other clubs. He's not a, a sexy name. He was not, you know, he was never a highly touted prospect in the Real Madrid Academy. He's usually a hardworking guy. He's he's not the he's not super fast. He's decently technical, but he's like he's not a left wing. He's kind of a left mid. He's not like a he's not an attacking mid. He's he can kind of be like a left wing back, left midfielder. He's, just, he's a nuisance, really. And so, all of that said, that's why you should be happy for him because he had an incredible tournament. I, I don't know if that's going to change where he you know his career goes. I you know far was, be it from me to. Yeah, I th- this is usually a good stepping he's, stone. He's twenty seven, playing at uh, Valencia. Uh, Villarreal. Villarreal, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he, and he, I mean that's not a let's let's be real. That's so not a bad. This is not this is not some sort of indictment team. on playing on Villarreal. That's fan. It's fine for him. Who, who knows what'll happen for him? He's one of the few players that's not playing in Russia. So he's twenty seven. He might have something left in the tank to maybe have one more move to, you know, maybe a, a higher mid-tier club than just Villarreal. But to, to be fair, there's not too many. I mean, the next step up is, you can maybe say Sevilla is a little bit higher, Valencia. But really, the next step is, Atle- is Atletico Madrid. And I don't think he'd fit there. Well, no, that's not true. I wouldn't say he wouldn't fit. I just don't think that there's any room for him left on the roster. I don't, I don't see it happening right away. I, it, He's had a good World Cup. And honestly, if nothing, if nothing ever comes of it, and this is the best he ever plays, and he goes back to kind of being an average player after this, hey. <laughs> Good for him. That, not, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, you can be proud of that. You, you root for something, something like that. So anyway, he scores the first goal, an absolute banger. Then Kramrich, uh, eight not, minutes later. Not too long, yeah. Yeah, not like, too right, minutes. Right after. Not too much longer later. And so it's 1-1 heading into the half. That was a funny counterattack because Mandzukic has all this time to pick up his head and find a cross. 
There's one Croatian in the box and five Russians. And it's like the Russians are creating this guard of honor where no one's marking him, but they're all around him, <laughs> like in a circle. Right. And no, no one's they marking... They have him surrounded. No one's marking Mandzukic either. He's just like, all right, I'll just put it between everyone. Right. And Kramer puts a good header down into the goal. So that so that takes us to 1-1. That scoreline stays all the way to extra time when Vita scores. I I think he scored it, I guess I should say, because I, I haven't seen a replay. I'm pretty sure he scored it. I haven't seen a replay that convinced me that he that no one touched it on the way in. But it didn't it didn't take a big change of direction. So here's the crazy thing about this goal. Okay, right, he wins the header. That's one thing, Win, winning a header from that far out. But then Theodore Smoloff, one of my favorite names in the tournament, stands there Ugh. watching the. I think he thought that it was wide because he th- he was supposed to be on the post and just watches it trickle in. Akinfeyev looks at him thinking he's got it covered. He doesn't, and it's too late for him to do anything. And the ball just kind of ekes into the corner of the net and with Russian players just watching it. Yeah. And, and the thing was, thing, everyone kind of came in, oh, small obviously, but there was a leading goal scorer. He's the guy moving forward. He, uh, was, he, was, he was absent. At the entire tournament. Well, here's the thing. We were going to say, I could add him to that list of players, the ones that whose visa may have gotten denied, but the problem with Smolov is that uh, he's already there. So he's from would, Russia. His visa would not be denied. I think he may have just forgotten that the tournament was being held in Russia. Perhaps that's it. Perhaps he thought he got the years mixed up. Maybe he thought that the Russia tournament was in 2022 and the Qatar tournament was 2018. Yeah. Possibility. But so here's the thing for me is Russia's two most impactful forward players, in, in my mind, you might not agree with this, Got subbed off. Cherry Shev in the 67th minute and uh, Zuba in the 79th. Yeah. They, uh, he he might have been tired in the I 79th do disagree. minute. I, well, I don't disagree, but I, I do. I would. I'd, some combination of Golovin and Jagoff should probably be the third. I think that does, they, I think both of them actually deserve a mention in terms of going forward. The problem with Jagoff is, of course, everyone kind of forgot about He's him. He's been here like 10 minutes of the tournament. He, the poor guy only got to play so much because of that injury they picked up in the first game. But I thought that for the time he was in this game, he was pretty good. So I think that if they would have had him the whole time, it's an unfortunate way to look at it. I do agree with you that taking them all off was it's questionable because at the end of the game, so there's no Zuba, there's no Cherishev, there's no Golovin. It made that it made the last few minutes tense, and then you know you so basically they're like, oh maybe we'll play for the penalties again, and they get scored on by Croatia, and then things of course even get crazier because you know this is the World Cup and so anything can happen. 115th minute, Fernandez scores for Russia, and like you're a one nothing, five minutes to go. Croatia. <sighs> First of all, dumb set piece to give away. Second of all, just you can't give anyone a free header. It's a free shambolic, shambolic. Um, I I just I hate to see. Oh, that. Actually, you know what? That does remind me though. The goal from Croatia, the Vita one, the the one in extra time. You want to talk about not wanting to give away dumb goals? This goal comes as a result. I cannot remember for the life of me which defender it was. This comes because the defender goes in front of the goal he's calling for it, and he just smashes it out of bounds instead. And they ends up in a corner, and Croatia score off of it. Instant karma. They, you have honestly, got to do better than that. Both of them were kind of mind-boggling, but the, the fact that they canceled themselves out is even more mind-boggling. Oh, right? Absolutely like, One of them is... Anyway, <laughs> okay, it, it the, goes on the penalties. It goes on the penalties where Subasic... Now, Subasic had at one point looked like he may have been picked up an injury. I have no idea how serious it is. Clearly, it wasn't that serious. He was still in there. You could clearly see he was still a little uncomfortable. Anyway, we're on to the shootout where Subasic again comes up big for uh, Croatia, though not as much as... Okay, so the first penalty, I can't remember who took it. Fedor Smolov. Fedor Small. Oh, my goodness gracious. Again, That's why right. does he come on? He's absent the entire tournament. Fedor Smolov This is where I was takes, going with this. He gets this penalty. He, gets the, he takes the absolute worst penalty of the tournament so far. He tries to chip it. I, but instead of going in the middle, you're supposed to do for a chip... 
picks to the side. He picks the side. Also, the side that the goalie goes to. And then he doesn't shoot it high like you're supposed to do for a chip so that if the goalie does guess right and he dives, it still goes over them. No, he chipped a ball that would have bounced into the net. So the goalie could have dove to one side and probably gotten up and gotten to the other side. Uh, Subasic had, honestly, I think the only reason Subasic wouldn't have gotten this is it would have been because Subasic would have been so shocked yeah, that's the only that thing. he would have tried this, that, that he would have been like just absolutely floored at this idea. This is the worst penalty I have seen at this World Cup, and he deserves to be mocked. Whatever, It's worse than Messi's. It's worse than the one Ronaldo missed. It's worse, it's worse than his own teammate who later on decides, eh, I'll just roll this one into the corner like everyone else tells me to all the time. It's easy. And then put it wide of the goal. I believe his penalty... I don't remember again who took Mario that. Mario Fernandez is the other one. He takes that penalty. I believe he's the only person at this World Cup so far that didn't put the, the ball on frame. The only You will per- remember Christian Cueva on Peru had a chance to take the lead against Denmark in the group stage and skied his. Oh, that skied was okay. a very bad penalty. Okay, so Cueva, Cueva and him are the only two that missed the frame completely because the only other one is like Matias Uribe's who hit the, the, the crossbar. I, can, I can't live with that because I already criticized him for you don't put it that high. There's no need to. But if you hit the post, at least it was there. The, I mean... I, I can never I can never like get get behind this like oh I can never get behind somebody that puts the ball not on target if the goalie saves it if you take a horrible penalty man at least it was on target at least something could go wrong right like at least the goalie we, could go get it wrong or something and put so, it in himself so speaking of that even Rakitic the second time in a row gets the the game winning penalty yeah with the last one as the fifth kick digger we've talked about not great penalties both of his penalties were rolled low to the side not very fast and not in the corner but both times the goalie guessed wrong. First of all, I, I'm surprised um, Akinfeyev didn't see this and say, oh, he did this last time, he might do it again. I'm just going to stick with it. Because sh- that would have been an easy save. So we talked about that. At least if you just put it to one side and it's kind of weak and it's in a savable position, the goalie could guess wrong. There's a, almost the a 50-50. could guess wrong. He could, he, uh, he could Akinfe- make... Akinfeyev had one where he hit it and then it hit the post and went in. Luka Modric's. You, you just don't know. But that, that one was at least hit hard. He hit, well, he hit it hard, but you, you see my point. If you, just, if you don't get it right, you never know what could happen with the ball, right? If, give yourself, yourself a chance. chance. If you miss don't the just, goal, you don't give yourself you, a chance. You're not giving yourself a chance by chipping it to the to the I guess chipping it to the left, to the goalie's right. It, it, it's just it's mind-boggling. That one is a bad—I mean, so again, the goalie could guess wrong there, and that's a goal. You look like a, like a punk doing that, even if it—because it bounces into the goal on a chip. But— that was a bad penalty. Fernandez is a bad penalty. Mateo Kovacic, the one missed for Croatia, was actually a very good penalty. Akinfeyev once again came up massive Akinfeyev, for his country. That was a fantastic save. So Akinfeyev deserves a lot of credit as well. I would think that. I think he, he's the best player for Russia. He may he may be looking at a move. He's he, a little old, so, but it's possible. He, he might get another shot somewhere else. I guess I should say. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, that's basically that's basically it. Russia are out. The host nation getting further than everybody in the world predicted. If you have a bracket where Russia were in the quarterfinals, congratulations to you. I. I would have laughed at you when the tournament started. So goes to show anything's possible. And they, too, now will kind of go back to their normally scheduled program. Remember, this is a team that before this World Cup started hadn't had any competitive matches outside of the uh, European Championships and the Confederations Cup for quite some time. And I think we may be likely to see a return to Russia from the Euros and the Confederations Cup. (laughs) They got behind this. I did mention before we got here, this is the World Cup. I think they're going to get behind the team here. The team is going to get energized. After this, I think that Russia's going to have a big drop in quality. We will see. Uh, Golovin, all signs point to him coming to uh, Chelsea. That's why you like him. I mean, I'm not opposed. He looked pretty good. So I'm I'm interested. Uh, Abramovich finally gets his Russian that he, I'm sure he's always wanted. And we'll see how he goes. We need a midfielder. A uh, good one, anyway. 
We've got to, uh, we'll keep it off the Chelsea for the World Cup time. Yeah. This is um, so we have our semifinals: France and Belgium, Croatia and England. I think when we looked at the beginning of the bracket, the one side seemed a bit easier. After Spain got knocked out, we're like, oh, this one side's going to be ridiculous. You, I think if you said a France, Belgium, Croatia, England semifinal, that's not the worst thing that you that we could have. It's definitely not the worst. It's I not mean, that bad. It could it could have happened if you had put a couple of other teams on that other side too. You just you just never know. I mean, we were pretty close to also having Denmark in the quarterfinals, so anything can happen. We have tomorrow's game between Belgium and France. I don't know. I I struggle. I've thought about it a lot these last few days because we've had some time to think about it, and it keeps coming down to this for me. I find that as as inconsistent as France tend to be, I still think it favors them. Yeah, I, I I think that this kind of game favors them, where because both teams have their inconsistencies. The biggest difference is. You might get bad France in a game, but bad France overall isn't all that bad. You can fluctuate in Belgian games between bad Belgium and good Belgium, and Belgium can ill afford to play bad Belgium against good France because if that's what ends if we get tomorrow, it's not going to be pretty. Their defense isn't great. And I do We've think on the it. other side, good Belgium against bad France is not guaranteed to be giving Belgium goals. I mean, this is a France team that gave up three goals to Argentina. Again, this is it should be a good Argentina attack, but it wasn't. Uh, they did shut out Uruguay, not too unrealistic. Uruguay is not the greatest attack, especially without Cavani. But listen, I, I, they can I be mean, had. Umtiti and Varane are good defenders. They're not great defenders. They're very f- physical, pretty quick, all things considered. They're strong. But the big thing here, and I think you'll agree with me, is N'Golo Kante is absolutely going to be the difference maker this match. It, and N'Golo Kante, somebody photoshopped him in a picture leading the line at the Tour de France right now. You could tell me that that man is somebody said somebody like because the rumor is out there that PSG are interested in bringing him in. Stay away, by the way, PSG. Stay away from Conte. The rumor is out there, right? And so people are like, oh, he's just going to play for both teams at the same time, right? He'll just bike from uh, England to France Go and vice tunnel. versa, and just do that. Play play Champions League on Tuesday, bike to London and play Europa League on, on Thursday. So that that's kind of where we are. Uh, I Lucas Hernandez. I don't think he's gonna play. I, I don't. I, I could have sworn I thought I read he couldn't. He he wasn't gonna be able to. But well, you do have Benjamin Mendy there. Not the worst thing. I I've been um, uh, mulling over when you look at this French team. Pretty much every position is pretty deep. The, ne- the next option they have is not exactly someone you would say ah, that's a big drop off. Whereas with Belgium, we are looking at eleven that is I would say in a lot of ways stronger than some of the bench players. Um, Having Dries Mertens be able to come off the bench could be huge. He's a massively talented player. Uh, I would be very interested to see um, how Belgium lines up again. I wouldn't be surprised if they do a similar thing. Playing De Bruyne sort of as a false nine. and Basically replacing, um, bring on Fellaini for Mertens because it gives them more of a defensive feel. He's a bit stronger in the midfield. But I I, I would be worried about him... Uh, and Griezmann, he's a bit slipperier, slippery, or slipperier. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, they also have will have Matuidi back. Matuidi will be back. Matuidi could be back. Run in that midfield and Mbappe going up against wh- whoever's playing on the left side. If it's, I don't think it's gonna be Carrasco there. But Ch- maybe, I think Chadley has earned the right to start. Probably there. Chadley, but even if it's not, even if he's going up against Vertonghen a lot, I think I favor Mbappe there. I don't. I can't say that as much about this. Uh, Belgium side. It'll be a fantastic game. Don't get me wrong. It's gonna be. It's gonna be good. And now at this point, that's what we expect. It's a semifinal at the World Cup. These two teams absolutely deserve to be here, and they have certainly the amount of talent to be here. The thing for me, you know, in terms of we were talking about Neymar, face of the sport, whatever. 
Griezmann and Hazard both have at times kind of snuck into that category of third best player in the world who, you know, who could possibly take the mantle when Messi and Ronaldo are gone. It's big for both of them. These are, you know, oh, if, yeah, you, if you absolutely wanted a reason, if you were completely neutral at this point, if you wanted a reason to really be into this game, other than the fact that now we're at the World Cup semifinal, so you should care regardless of who's playing, that would be the reason right there. Those are two top-class players, two players that will tell you that they are up there with Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo. So I think, this is their chance to prove it. And, and the great thing about them is, they're other than this whole decision thing that Griezmann Yeah, Griezmann did, is a diva off the field, not on the field usually. The, 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 yeah, but they're a bit more humble. They're a bit less about the antics. The, the face is always this Neymar, Ronaldo, Messi thing. Even Pogba kind of gets uh, a lot more um, face time. I've got the Pogba Diaries gets time on Fox. Um, and <laughs> His so, commercial with, uh, was it Wish? Like the delivery yeah. service where he's like, come in. And he's like just in this like row, it's almost like a samurai robe. Hilarious. I, I'm not a big Pogba guy, but that's hilarious. I love that. So, um, I mean, even for him. I mean, there's a lot of faces here that are Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne, I was just saying. Yeah, De, Bruyne De, Bruyne could, De Bruyne and Pogba. Can make a shout in the midfield. So, uh, a lot of good matchups. De Bruyne, Pogba, uh, Lukaku, De, uh, Giroud's maybe not as good. But you could say Lukaku, you could say Lukaku and uh, Mbappe. Um, you know, Varane and company. Yeah. And it's 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 yeah. a star-studded game. It's it's an absolute Watch this one game. if you get the chance. If you had to pick one, this would for sure be the one. The other one, England and Croatia. The thing about this one for also me is... Also watch this. I, you, you should watch them both, obviously. But especially with such good times, too. It's only 11 o'clock Pacific? I mean, that's a great kickoff Two, time. 2 p.m. if you're on the East Coast. You that, can play a little hooky from work, maybe. Yeah, get out a little early tomorrow. Treat yourself. You've earned it. You, yeah. You've earned it by watching all this World Cup. You're a great person. You've done a lot of work. I yes, think you've, you've absolutely earned it. to watch so, some World Cup. Yeah, so my thing with England is this. If it's not now, ever, I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I, I, know, I, know it, I know it sounds like I'm kind of like being a little hateful towards England, but if not now, when, right? This is, this, you gotta, you gotta make it to the final now because you have a Croatian team that's now played in back-to-back 120-minute penalty shootout games. They, they can't have much that's, left. That's gonna be big for England. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the if not, if not now, when, because you never know what's going down the hat road in four years. You never want to say, oh, we're not gonna win it now because we're gonna win it in four years. France, France basically did it and here we are. I don't, I don't think they actually said, oh, we don't care about losing. Well, I didn't say they didn't care. I'm just saying that everybody kind of, that again. They, they have another chance. I, I, England's a young England team, so yeah, you could say four years on the line, they'll have another chance. Will they be on this side of a bracket? No, probably not. The thing here so? is, it's yes, it's an absolutely phenomenal opportunity for England. You're in the semifinal. Of course you're going to go out and take it. You're going to take this game to a Croatian team that has played, what, four wow. hours of soccer in the past like week? And, no, and, and not as much recovery time this time. For yeah. Croatia that, that they will get. Now, uh, Croatia also was going up against another team that had already gone to a shootout. So that kind of evened itself out. England, for all intents and purposes, are pretty fresh. I think that, that Sweden game didn't wear them too thin, uh, especially as it kind of wore on. So, I, yeah, I, th- I think this is – I would favor England in this one. I, I think, though, it's going to go to penalties. Oh, another penalty shootout from, for Croatia? From what I've seen from Croatia – they, they will not die. Somehow they, it's like a 1-1, a 2-2 game. Well, it's been 1-1 to go into to the overtime. But the, the game kind of comes to a halt. And neither team really advances because no one really wants to be scored on. It seems like Croatia is the one who dictates this pace. So I wouldn't be too surprised. The problem is I don't think England would be as willing to do that. I think they would push the attack. They do have uh, backup so, strikers like Vardy and Rashford or Sterling, depending on who, who plays. Be, can you imagine, you know, so Marcus Rashford, Jamie Vardy coming on in the minute 107. 
It'd be tough to contain them. That, well, it's doable. Not, probably not that late. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It's do that happened, early, right? So, but yeah, right. The, the point is, these guys have been playing so much. Their legs are going to be heavy beyond belief. Suddenly, you bring on a fresh Marcus Radford or a fresh Jamie Vardy. Yeah, that's that, that's going to be a tall task for any defense, let alone one like Croatia's that has now been run into the ground for all intents and purposes, and will likely be without uh, Versalico. That's Ooh. what I was thinking of. I think I mixed Versalico and Hernandez yeah. up. He picked Vers- up an injury. Uh, it's possible he. Uh... He's not in. I hope we would all think, you know, we want to see the best lineups. But I'm going to put it out there. France, England in the final. I'll finally give France the benefit of the doubt. That's also just a fun final. France versus England. I got to say, I think I agree with you. I think we are going to get France, England. Belgium, uh, England would be fun, too. Yeah, that would be fun, too. To be fair, even Croatia in the final, because... If they get there, they've earned it. You know, people are going to be like, oh, fun. Like, I guess it won't be exciting, I get. Like, like Croatia is not an exciting team. But you can't argue with what they do on the field. They are so good. I mean, they got they have the names. They have the, the they game. have quality. Yeah, they and that's the thing. I, I think you put your, the you put the hammer on the on the head of the nail there. <laughs> they control the game even when when the game even if they're not winning it, it's tied. They're controlling that it's going to overtime. The other team isn't the one controlling the pace of the game. That is Croatia. Yeah, that is true. So, so that is something to look out for. We will see how these play out. Uh, just four games left of this World Cup. It's kind of sad. And that includes a, a third down. place game that no one's going to watch. So, unfortunately, the time it seems I like. I think I'm going to end up watching it. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think we'll be you and me will be watching it. We don't yeah. have an option here. Fine. Only if, only if they're going to make me. Yeah. So that that's basically it. Uh, we'll be back. Hopefully for uh, <laughs> to be talking about this final and third place game. Don't forget about that. Can't sleep. You... Don't sleep on the third place game. We'll probably be back. Well, the semifinals are Tuesday, Wednesday. Sometime between Tuesday and or not, Thursday. Tuesday. Sometime between the end of Wednesday, Wednesday and, and the start of and the Saturday. and the weekend. So anyway, that's all the time we have uh, today on the American Soccer Show World Cup quarterfinal edition. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the Google Podcast. Google Podcast. And I'm told it's not an app. What? Uh, is it an app? I thought it was an app. An app. The Google Podcast app, or the store, or whatever, is Google Podcast. I think we have – do it if you have a, if you have an Android. Yeah, but make sure to do it regardless of what Let, platform you're using, even if you want to use one of those other websites that we're on and I've never heard of until now. But We're around the place. Download, the, listen. The Download, uh, don't listen. Tell, it's all the same to us in that sense. Uh, tell your friends. One more thing. There are, according to the numbers that I have, there are like 15 people that listen to this thing every week consistently. So, you know, hi, mom, hi, dad, you know, hi, uh, families, friends, whatever. There cannot be that many of them, right? So somebody, love us. Somebody out there is listening. Tell us why. No, no. You know what? Send us an email. Ask, Give us your questions. What do you want to hear about? What, what's been interesting you? Any yeah. comments? We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. If you're still around anyway, because we're over an hour now, and I'm given to understand the numbers also say that nobody six around after an hour. Well, so. next time we'll mention the beginning. Okay. Anyway, uh, Emmett McConnell alongside Eric Alcantor signing off.